Thank you for coming to the podcast. It's episode 45 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and we have a loaded show. We have the prospect killer, Brian Bam Bam Barbarena, and our Top Turtle correspondent catches up with the bad guy, Chael Sonnen. It's all brought to you by the best mouthguard ever invented, Sisu Mouthguard. When you pop a Sisu Mouthguard into your mouth and protect your chompers, you can talk normally and you can breathe naturally. It's the best mouthguard ever designed. If you do a high-impact sport or activity, or you just like to roughhouse in your personal life, head on over to sisuguard.com, get yourself the right mouthguard for you, and tell them Top Turtle MMA Podcast sent you. Episode 45 starts right now. are rolling. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com, and this is Top Turtle Podcast. We have a loaded show, so we're going to get right into it. We're going to start with the news of the day, and we're going to bring it to you in under 15 minutes or less, or the entire podcast is free. One thing I love about our show, Gumby, we just get right after it like a Conor McGregor left hand right to your chin. We don't waste any time. And now, ironically, I feel like I've wasted too much time rambling. So, Gumby, are you ready to get to the news of the day before we play our listeners, our Brian Bam Bam Barbarena interview, break down Fight Night 99 and Fight Night 100, and play our Chael Sonnen interview? Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, then. Here we go. We start with this. Bloody Elbow did an overview of Conor McGregor's pay-per-view numbers, and this is the biggest news nugget of the day as far as I'm concerned, because... These numbers, Gumby, are simply staggering. Conor McGregor has headlined four shows in the past year, starting with Jose Aldo last December, then two against Nate Diaz, and then obviously this past one over the weekend, UFC 205. In those four shows, we have an estimated six million buys, okay? When compared to 2014, the entire UFC roster brought in somewhere between three to 3.2 million. So Conor McGregor in four shows in the past year has doubled what the UFC did as a, as a franchise, as an entire roster, as an entity in one calendar year. This is amazing. It's, it's not only amazing, but it speaks volumes to some of the things that uh, Art Davey talked to us about when we had him on the show uh, both times for that matter. He said that the UFC will only continue to expand when they make megastars. And this is a perfect example of a megastar changing the UFC and changing the way that people get paid. This article on Bloody Elbow is brought to you by Ian the Kid, obviously using Dave Meltzer's numbers because we all know Dave Meltzer is the preeminent pay-per-view buy rate guru. But just let me throw a couple of these at you for reaction, Gumby. McGregor's first three pay-per-views uh, as a headliner drew more buys than GSP's best three ever. McGregor's worst three drew more buys than Ronda Rousey's best three. And this is something I was saying from a couple of weeks ago. When Dana White wants to say that Ronda Rousey is the biggest star of all time, that is negotiation against Connor. Connor is the biggest star of all time. No ifs, ands, or buts. I, I mean, you can't argue with those numbers for sure. I, I, I think... His argument about Ronda being the biggest star of all time has to do with with crossover appeal because you're going to see, uh, you know, Ronda on Wheaties boxes and you're going to see Ronda on movie posters and you're going to see Ronda on this and that. You're going to see Conor McGregor plastered all over every sports website. So with sports fans, it's easy to look at pay per view numbers, and as sports fans, it's easy to look at Sports Center. But he's definitely got another insight too into the other kind of crowd that Ronda Rousey brings in, and that's like merchandise sales and. 
um, you know, Halloween costumes that are UFC branded, little girls dressing up like Ronda Rousey for Halloween. Sure. Uh, you bring up some good points, but again, we'll have to agree to disagree. There's not even an argument. No, I, it, it's I, Conor I think, McGregor. I think you're definitely right. He's the king of ratings and, and he's a mega star. Uh, by the way, the way we, we judge that. By the way, pay-per-views are the biggest money generator for the company. Yeah, which we found out recently thanks to uh, that that uh, company report for investing. Yeah, exactly. So to me, there, there could be no discussion, but bottom line is Conor is pay-per-view king now i have another little nugget about ufc 205 nate diaz is claiming he wasn't even invited he says the ufc gave his ticket away to what b-list celebrity did he use <laughs> i don't a, a jonas brother i'll look it up <laughs> but what he, is this nate marketing himself sort of that outsider diaz persona or do you truly believe that the ufc didn't want him in the building i have a pretty good feeling that the ufc didn't want him in the building and here's why while I think the UFC understands that a trilogy with Nate Diaz would be a really, really, really big fight, I think they know it's not a really big fight right now. And here's why. We've seen it twice, very, very recently. Twice in the last year. Nobody's ready for it the third time within 12 months. You know what I mean? We don't want to see the same fight three times in 12 months. Do we want to see that third fight at some time? Do we want to see a tiebreaker? Probably. Yeah, but let's get... One of the challengers for Connor's belt to actually be one of the challengers for Connor's belt, meaning someone higher ranked and more deserving, someone with a better record at lightweight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, either Habib or Tony Ferguson; um, those two would be excellent choices. So Nick Jonas was the B-list celebrity that he had <laughs> Thank pointed you for to. Get me intern on that one. And uh, I also want to point out that again. Anything after a fight that Dana White says about Conor McGregor or Conor McGregor and his team says about the UFC, it's all public negotiation, folks. Okay, it's negotiating 101. But John Kavanaugh did go on the MMA hour and said if it was up to him, he wants Nate Diaz as well. I, I think, again, though, that that's because they think it's the biggest fight for them to make and the biggest money fight for Conor. Plus, they know he can definitely beat him. So... I think that Kavanaugh thinks that, but from the UFC's perspective, I think they know that fans tire to a trilogy if it's done too fast. Well said. Um, I want to move now to a former uh, headliner um, and uh, I guess how you judge the comment I'm about to say if he's a future headliner. John, uh, Dana White said he would never trust John Jones to headline a fight card again just because of all the outside trouble he gets himself into with the law general and, shenanigans right <laughs> john jones says he doesn't believe dana white means those headlining comments now before i kick it to you i do want to mention that the ufc things move fast and while maybe it's dana white's intention to never headline him again he's always one injury away or a last minute replacement away from being a headliner again i, I think you kind of stole the words out of my mouth here i was gonna say maybe dana white feels that right now but the times change really quick, and Dana White's even acknowledged that before. He said he never wanted women in the UFC. God, how wrong was that? You know, like he said multiple times, we need to do this, we need to do that. And give it six months, the climate's different. The, the UFC is so volatile in the way that it goes up and down and, and what it needs and what it doesn't need. Right now, it doesn't need John Jones, so he can say that. Who's to say, you know... Connor doesn't take off with a crazy movie career and Ronda Rousey decides to retire in all that time. And you need John Jones. You need him to headline something. So I believe him for now, but we'll see where the UFC climate is when he's back. 
I love when John Jones weighs in on things. He weighed in also on Habib Nurmagomedov. He says if he doesn't get the title shot, then the fix is in. Um, and obviously, what's on everyone's mind these days is who's more deserving of this 155-pound title shot, Habib or Tony Ferguson. And I will encourage our listeners to head on over to MMA-Manifesto.com because you and I, Gumby, had a spirited back and forth about it. You can go to that article to see what we think. But uh, how funny is it that John Jones now weighs in on on these things? Well, he he weighs in on everything, and he shows up to like I don't know, like some, a Naga event. Yeah, Naga event. Which for those of you who don't know about Naga, it's like a pretty serious grappling contest, but not like world championship level. It's not like he went to like an uh, you know a Pan Am game. He went to like the the best local grappling circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Which, it, it's kind of funny for a uh, you know multi time world champ. Um, now, speaking of Habib, he also threatened to leave the UFC if he doesn't get the title shot. But where have we heard that before? Right? Yeah. yeah. People can continue telling us that they're going to leave or they're going to go one place or another. The fact of the matter is they're under contract. And, and whether Habib knows it or not, the best money he's going to make is where he is right now. If he leaves, leaves that contract on the table uh, and, and kind of takes himself out of the UFC, you know, whatever he's planning on doing otherwise is not as good paying as what he's got. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll do one small caveat. I think you're probably right. I think if you were to go to some Russian billionaire organization, they probably got some oil baron over there that would pay him a boatload of money, and good luck with the UFC trying to sue him in Russia. Yeah. But I think for the most part, you're probably and right. And he could probably go smash some Russian locals or something like that it, and it, become it, a cult classic. It, exactly. Have we ever seen that before with a Russian guy smashing a bunch of cans? And uh, I see where you're going with that. Uh, okay. uh, so uh, on to the next. Uh, your boy... Boy, Roy Nelson, or as the Brazilians would call him, Hoy Nelson, he kicked referee Big John McCarthy because what he deemed was too late a stoppage against uh, Bigfoot Silva. Now, again, I want to repeat that if you missed it. Roy Nelson took issue with too late a stoppage on a fight that he won. Yeah. And then he kicked referee Big John McCarthy. Well, it's finally come out now that it's going to be a nine month suspension as punishment for him. But with the caveat that if he issues a public apology, it could be less. Yeah, and it comes with a pretty large fine, too. I think 24000 was the official number, and that, too, would be reduced uh, if he apologized. Uh, there's part of me that just believes he won't apologize. Do, do you get that feeling at all? I do, and I also find this very interesting that they said with a public apology, he could reduce it. Well, like, I could go out there and give a sarcastic public apology. I feel like they should have made mention of a tone to the apology. Yeah, and, I, and, and what's a public apology? Does he need a press conference? Is a, you know, a... a open letter on a Facebook message, a, a public apology. What is that? So it, it's kind of shady to me, but also I just can't see Roy Nelson even pretending to be sorry for what he did. Well, time will tell. And here's our last nugget of the day, Gumby. Um, and this one's kind of a bummer. Uh, Leota Machida, it is uh, now a fact. He will be suspended 18 months retroactive to April of 2016 when he popped for a performance-enhancing supplement. Uh, your thoughts? So here's my question. How is he getting 18 months? cooperating with USADA, openly admitting what he's done to USADA, in in not arguing with USADA. And meanwhile, John Jones seems to have like no good proof and he got his minimized to a year. Well, yeah, a great question. I think Leoto uh declared the supplement in his pre-fight medicals. Yeah, he but but he also open admitted that it, he it, it was going to to 
make him test, correct? Oh, okay, well, fine, fair enough, you're right. And then what I was going to say was John Jones, I think, was, as they described, flippant about taking a quote-unquote dick pill. <laughs> uh, and I think they were trying to, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. It, the way it just they, seems weird. I think they need some sort of code. I, I mean, they got better with the code when they said two years for popping, but I, I think they need a code for their reductions, too, because the reductions seem to be just arbitrary as hell. Yeah, I think you're right. And I just wanted to end on this, Gumby, which is it's kind of a bummer at this point. Think of all the people we lost this year. I feel like I'm like at the Oscars announcing who died. I, I don't mean to say lost in that sense, but uh, Frank Mir, pop for steroids. Chad Mendez, pop for steroids. Leota Machida, pop for steroids. John Jones, pop for steroids. That's four current headliners. Yeah. Who and am I forgetting anyone? I mean, you could say Gil Melendez is just now coming back. I mean, we lost him before, and and he was a headliner. Yeah. Well, anyway, don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. Uh, good time, Gumby, to pause and remind our listeners that we're available on TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, really wherever a podcast is being streamed. You could head on over to MMA-Manifesto.com. That's our mothership, part of the Sports Daily Network, and we of course could be reached on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. Now, I want to play you our interview with Brian Barberena. We've been uh, hyped on this guy ever since he choked out Sage Northcutt earlier this year. But before I do that, I have an exciting announcement. We have a new sponsor on the show, and they're going to be bringing you all our interviews from here on out. I'm talking about Datsusara Hemp Gear. It's a brand we know and trust. We wouldn't recommend it to you if we didn't. Datsusara is an all-hemp jiu-jitsu and fight gear brand. They have hemp geese, hemp fight shorts, and hemp t-shirts. They sponsored my favorite grappling event ever, the Eddie Bravo Invitational, and they are pushing grappling gear to a whole new level. If you like to fight, if you care at all about Mother Earth, go check out their gear, dsgear.com. Everything made out of hemp. The t-shirt is badass. I rolled in it the other day, and it kept me cool, Gumby, and it didn't stretch, which you know as well as I do. That's damn near impossible to roll in a t-shirt and not have it stretch. Enter in the promo code TOPTURTLE, all one word, not case-sensitive, TOPTURTLE, all one word, and get 5% off. It helps the show out. It pushes grappling forward because you're supporting a really good brand. As I said, Datsusara, new sponsor of the show, couldn't be happier about it. And Datsusara brings you our interview with UFC fighter Brian Bam Bam Barberena. We have the pleasure of talking to Brian Barberena. Brian Barberena fights Colby Covington December 17th on UFC on Fox 22, card headlined by Michelle Waterson versus Paige Van Zant. So, Brian, we'll kick right into it. Uh, you're quickly making a name for yourself as a prospect killer. You beat the guy by the name of Sage Northcutt, who had all the hype in the world behind him. Then you beat Warley Alves, the jiu-jitsu ace. He was 4-0 in the UFC. And you could even throw Joe Ellenberger in there, too. What do you think of this moniker, uh, the prospect killer? Uh, you know, uh, I'll take the name as it comes or whatever. It's, uh, I mean, but uh, I'm not only in there to beat prospects. I'm in there to beat everybody. So uh, the matter is going to be ranked opponents. A non-ranked opponent, uh, and someday it'll be the it'll be the champ that I'm in there going after. So uh, they'll have to start calling me the rank guy killer, uh, the champion <laughs> killer. You know, I'll take all those names. You know, I wanted to go back to that Sage fight. We asked John Crouch, your coach, the same question last week. You know, he broke it down for us. But uh, how often do you really hit that choke that you got on him? Uh, you know, I, I go for it multiple times every practice, really. Uh, Depending if I land it, it, it depends. You know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. 
uh, guys are in the in the room are getting more and more uh, used to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're able to get the defense faster and, and they can get out of it quicker. So, um, you know, it's not an unstoppable choke. It's just something that I'm good at and uh, I'm able to get. And you usually get it from half guard when your opponent has you in half guard? Yeah, I've gotten it from half guard. I've even gotten it from full guard before. So wow. um, I'm just able to get some good pressure in there. Do you have a name for that? Why not call it the Bam Bam Choke? Sure, why not? (laughs) I like it. it. Uh, Now, we asked John this as well, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, I asked him, you know, how did it sit with him after that fight was over against Sage? And Sage, you know, came up with the whole thing that he had strep throat, and that might have played into it. Now, I'll tell you what John's reaction was. He just said, I wouldn't instruct my fighters to do such a thing. I'd own it. But, you know, he gave Sage all the credit in the world, said he's still a big prospect. It is what it is. But but how did that sit with you in the aftermath when it came out that he had strep throat? Uh, you know, it was just, at first it wasn't, you know, too bad or whatever. Everybody's going to, you know, some guys like to come up with some excuses. Some guys, you know, keep it themselves. I'm one of those guys that just, you know, something's going on or something's troubling me or I'm sick or something. You know, I keep that to myself. It's my decision. I made to go in there and fight. So some other people like to go out there and make reasons why they lost the fight. Um, that's their decision. Um, he's still going to be a prospect. You know, he's still young and everything. And he's got a, a bright future. But uh, hopefully, that's something he works on and just you know taking it and taking a loss like a loss. But yeah, it didn't really sit well with me after a while because he just kept bringing it up and it just kept coming up and coming up. Just I felt like people weren't giving me uh, the respect I deserved. Yeah, for sure. I, and then I think the the Worley Alves fight really cemented that that you are for real because Worley is, is certainly no joke. Now, I also wanted to ask you. Uh, you started out uh, 155 lightweight. You've come up to 170. This is the the most natural weight for you. Yes, is it the weight cut? W- what about 170 is has kind of made you so deadly? Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. For 155, it's you know it's a long process for me. Uh, I walk around heavier, so uh, it's a long process for me to get down to 55. A uh, hard diet, dieting, and just everything included gets really drained my body. And um, 55 or 70, it's not it's not as bad. You know, I still diet and I still have to cut, but uh, it's definitely more a relaxed, you know, kind of nine and ten thing. So I think it just I get I feel like I get more out of my practices during camps than everything. Um, I feel like I'm able to feel strong and everything throughout the whole camp instead of uh, getting weaker and weaker as the, as the camp goes on. So I feel, I feel my best at 70. I mean, I started my career at 205, so uh, I'm used to fighting bigger guys. Wow. I was just actually going to ask that. So what do you cut down from exactly? Like, what do you walk around at? Uh, I usually walk around like 205, 210 usually. Okay. That, I mean, that's pretty significant. So 30, 40 pounds. So you, have you felt out, muscled by anyone in the 170 pound division in the UFC has anyone in an exchange have you just kind of been like wow this guy's way stronger or you, you felt pretty good against everyone you know I haven't really felt uh outpowered or anything I felt some guys that you know not in the cage yet but uh in the training room they're are pretty strong guys and you know but I, I'm still able to to do what I want to do and, and get good work in uh it's not really overpowering it's just like oh, okay this guy's strong Right. Now, you fight Colby Covington on December 17th at the UFC Sacramento card. Um, he's a hell of a wrestler. Uh, is this a, a new challenge for you? I, I know you're a blue belt in BJJ, but obviously a solid grappler. 
is the idea to perhaps avoid grappling with someone whose strength is wrestling, or is it just wherever the fight goes? What's your thinking here facing someone with the wrestling pedigree of Colby Covington? You know, obviously I'll be ready for uh, wherever the fight goes. Uh, we're aware that he is a great wrestler, so uh, that's something we're looking at. But for me, it's it's usually always the same game plan. Uh, I don't really game plan. It's just kind of the same thing, though, every time. Uh, I'm, I like to call it strong brawl. That's what it is. Every time. I'm a, I'm a stand-up guy. I like to stand up and, and fight, so uh, that's where I want to keep the fight. If it goes to the ground, sure, okay, I'll, I'll be there. But um, for me, I prefer the fight to be on the feet. Absolutely. Now, if you were to beat Colby Covington and cap off your 2016 with three wins, what's the ideal next step for you? Are you calling out a top 15 fighter right then and there on the spot? Are you waiting to see what the matchmakers come and bring you? What would be your ideal next step without looking past your opponent, obviously, but if you were to cap off a fabulous 2016 going three and zero? Yeah. You know, uh, not real great. I like planning stuff out like that. So whatever <laughs> happens at the top of my head when I'm in the cage, whatever comes out of my mouth and that's gonna, what it's going to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm ho- hopefully after this fight, I'll get a ranked guy. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, fair enough. A top 15 ranked opponent, and th- and that would seem fair. Uh, wanted to ask you, you're on the same card as Uriah Faber's last fight. Any significance there for you, Faber fan, perhaps, as you were coming up the ranks? It, he'll be fighting Brad Pickett, and he's announced that'll be his last fight, and, and it'll be on the same card. Uh, you know, a- anything there for you with that? Uh, you know, I've watched uh, Uriah fight all through the like, WEC and, and growing up and watching MMA and stuff, and I really enjoyed watching his fights and everything. So uh, it's just going to be be cool to be on the same card as him for his very last fight. Is you know, it's just uh, an extra thing for the for the whole card and for me for my career um, to say that I was on the card with him for his last fight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it is a Fox card, so I think that leads to, you know, a few more eyeballs, maybe some some penny pinchers who might not want to chip in on a a pay-per-view. So it's a great card to be on, a great spot. Obviously, Paige Van Zandt has a lot of mainstream appeal. She's headlining it. So I I agree. I think it's another good spot uh, to be on. Um, now we wanted to ask you too, uh, you are training partners at the lab with, uh, jujitsu phenom Mackenzie Dern. What's it like training with her? Ha- has she, uh, have you guys gotten to grapple and is she a handful? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we've, we've grappled plenty, uh, in the training room and, you know, she's just a real cool person, uh, real down to earth, uh, great bubbly personality. Um, you know, she's great on the ground. And so it's, it's fun working with her. Uh, she's a lot faster and a little more, uh, agile and getting into different submissions and stuff like transitioning um so it it causes some problems for me but um <laughs> fair when i'm going with her i try not to you know go to full my full body weight on her and try to hold her down you know i try to work and uh and get some good work with her and you know it's, it's good she shows me some different looks that uh maybe i don't see with some of the guys we asked uh, your teammate Lauren Murphy this when we had her on the show um, because we're fascinated by John Crouch. We, we feel like he's like Yoda. He's the man. Um, he's the man. Uh, yeah. Is there something you could tell us about John Crouch that he might not say about himself? Because he's a very humble guy. Man, I looked up to him so much, and he told me so much in my career. We have a, a, a great relationship together. Uh, you know, I feel like we're family. I love that guy. Um, I'd say one thing I know personally because, uh, you know, it happens to get happens to me all the time not only from him but from other people but uh he's really good at talking trash like he's good 
he can burn you so quick. You try to come back at him, and he just burns you down even worse. And I, I'm, I'm not very good at it, but he's good at it like like a, a funny way, you know? Yeah, so it's yeah. like it's not it's not being mean. It's just like funny and. Man, he's he's freaking good. He can come up with stuff off the top of his head like nothing. Wow. So so Crouch is good with the quick burns, and uh, yeah. that, that's actually kind of surprising. He comes off, you know, at least in, in media appearances. I I just wouldn't think that, but now I kind of can see it. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm good fun though. So I'm good fun. Anything else you want to plug? Anything on the horizon besides the fight? Um, anywhere you want your fans to uh, to go for you? Yeah, well, first I want to say, uh, you know, on that, I'm on that card, Sacramento card on Fox, uh, December 17th. Also, my teammate, uh, Scott Hotspot Holtzman is on there with me, so that's going to be awesome to have him out there. Make sure you keep an eye out for him. Um, you can follow me at brianbarberina.com. Brian, yeah, you go to my website. And then uh, Brian underscore Barbarina at Twitter and Instagram. And you can hit me up on my fan page at Brian Barbarina. This has been Top Turtle MMA talking to Brian Barbarina. He fights Colby Covington December 17th, UFC on Fox 22. Brian, we cannot thank you enough for the time, and we wish you luck in the fight. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a good time. All right, there you have it, Gumby. Brian Barbarena. Yeah, uh, always good to talk to an MMA lab guy. As you know, we are big MMA lab fans here, uh, and we've been fans of Barbarena during both of his upsets. Um, and he's probably get pretty busy right now, too, getting ready with uh, Benson Henderson, who fights this weekend as well. We love the lab. We are lab fans. All right, let's go. We did our fastest fight news on planet Earth. Now we'll do a lightning fast breakdown of the first half of a doubleheader this Saturday. We'll start with UFC Fight Night 99. It's headlined a rematch Uriah Hall versus Gegard Mousasi. And Gumby, I want to get your opinion and breakdown on this, but I want to tell you that Uriah Hall is coming off, I guess, one of his, eh, you know, two losses in a row. He's coming off a loss to Robert Whitaker and coming off a loss to Derek Brunson via TKO. But before that, he had two wins in a row. Alawale Bangbos, he uh, TKO'd, and then he TKO'd Gegard Mousasi, thus bringing about this rematch. So two and two in his last four, kind of typical Uriah Hall. One step forward, one step back, win one, lose one, win lose, uh, win two, lose two. Gegard Mousasi, on the other hand, is surging. He is on a three-fight win streak. Beat Thalas Latis, beat Tiago Santos via KO, uh, beat Vitor Belfort via TKO. Who you got? Uh, I'm going with Gegard Mousasi, and not just for the reason that you just said. Gegard on the way up, Uriah on the way down. But this was a rematch I don't think I ever needed, because even when I watched the first one, I walked away saying Gegard Mousasi is better than Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall landed a spinning, uh, spinning heel kick to his face. Yeah, he did that, and, and there's no denying that that ever happened. But Gegard Mousasi largely dominated him up until that point, and I expect him to do that this time and do so with a little bit more intent to finish so that he doesn't get caught in a stupid decision again. Um, he, he is by and large the better fighter here, and I'm sure whatever the odds dictate here, uh, Gegard Mousasi is, is, is by far the favorite. Uh, well, that is correct. He is a minus 600 favorite. Minus but he, 600 having lost to the guy. <laughs> and, and you get Hall at a plus 450 dog. Uh, we'll move now to the co-main event. And I'll just give you the odds, Gumby. You have Ross Pearson, uh, minus 125 favorite, and Stevie Ray, a very slight underdog, at plus 105 in most sports books. Yeah, I, I think I like Stevie Ray here, uh, mostly because I, I like his takedown game. Um, Ross Pearson has is, is shown some holes in his takedown defense once in a while. Um, and I also think Stevie Ray just having... Uh, 
having some training partners and some people around him uh, for this fight since, you know, he's Scottish, it's in Ireland. Not that Ross Pearson doesn't have that as well, but you're also going to see just a better Stevie Ray than you've seen in the past. I also want to make mention that it is confirmed Conor McGregor will be in the building uh, oh boy. <laughs> this Saturday at Fight Night Dublin, and this is, uh, this is a card that's going to be on Fight Pass, okay? Fight Pass. 100% on Fight Pass, main card and prelims. Now, making with that all said, Gumby, who else do you like on this card? What are you looking at for exciting fighters or exciting fights? I would say the number one most exciting fight on this card is when the main card kicks off at like 4 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Artem Lobov fights Taruta Ishihara, uh, and, and while... Some people have kind of put the knock on Lobov for not being, like, the most technical or most skilled fighter. Bores the hell out of me. Yeah, I, I think both of them just throw absolute bombs and have crazy knockout power. Uh, I, I would definitely pick Ishihara in a win here, but, but there is going to be some serious damage taken by both fighters in this uh, fight. And it, I, I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, you also got Timmy Johnson fighting on the card. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Timmy Johnson. Uh, he's fighting Alexander Volkov, who once was the Bellator heavyweight champ. He's not the Russian I wanted the UFC to steal from Bellator, but he's pretty damn good, too. What Russian did you want him to oh, steal Oh, I wanted the, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Vitaly Minikov, the one who should still be the champ of Bellator before they stripped him of the belt. Um, but both of those two, they had a heck of a war down in uh, Atlantic City a few years ago. Um, he's a hell of a fighter, so it's exciting to see him in the UFC. Uh, you got Uncle Creepy on the prelims along with Koji Horiguchi, two of the best flyweights in the world. They're not even fighting each other, uh, but you got two of the best flyweights down there. Um, fun fight with Kevin Lee, uh, lightweight, another friend of the show. And uh, I, I would say the probably the, the best one on the, the bottom of the card is Bantamweights, Bretts, John, and Quan uh, Ho Kwok. They're two very, very underrated prospects that are making their UFC debuts. Uh, well, Ian McCall is a minus 340 favorite against uh, the dog, Neil Syria, plus 280. Who you got there? Uh, definitely Ian McCall. I think Ian McCall being, uh, you know, just more more uh, well-rounded. He's super well-rested, as we've talked about before, uh, and he's got some great takedowns. And you mentioned Haraguchi, the minus 220 favorite. He'll be fighting Bogatinoff, the plus 180 dog. Who you got there? Uh, I got... Koji Horiguchi. I just think Koji Horiguchi is a better overall fighter. Uh, Bogotinov has looked not as good since he popped for steroids. So I think you're going to see Koji Horiguchi with definitely a win here. Okay. That takes care of the first half of the Saturday doubleheader. That was Fight Night 99. Before we get to our preview and breakdown of Fight Night 100, we are going to play you our interview with Chael Sonnen. Very cool thing that happened. Our top turtle correspondent. That's right. We have a correspondent now. Uh, went to a show recently and got a chance to interview the bad guy himself live and in person. How pseudo-big time are we, Gumby? We have a correspondent now. I think it's more than pseudo-big time. Uh, I, I would say most podcasts out there don't have on-site correspondence, so we look uh, we look pretty special here. Well, let's be real. We don't really have a correspondent. <laughs> it's our training partner, Donnie Francis, who went to a show recently and was able to catch up with the bad guy, Chell Sonnen. So we're going to play you that interview now, but I want to mention that this interview is brought to you by Fighting for Autism. Fighting for Autism is a charitable organization. They're on a mission to improve the quality of life for children and families living with autism around the world. They do a lot of work in the MMA world, so you might have heard of them before, but if you haven't, I encourage you to go to fightingforautism.com.au. Note, it's a .com with a .au on top of it. fightingforautism.com.au. 
find out what they do. If you know anyone living with autism uh, or you want to learn more about it because millions of people live with it, um, this is a very cool charity organization that does a lot of work in the MMA world, and they bring you our interview with Chael Sonnen. All right, let's roll. So you've been in the scene for many, many years, one of the greats, classic. What is in the future for you after MMA? After MMA, you know, I've got I've got a few different interests. Uh, I, I've got a few hobbies and things that I like to do, but I, I, I don't totally know. You know, opportunities open up, and uh, I've been doing some commentating. That was something I never thought I would do, but that was never an option. There there wasn't an industry here. Spike wasn't involved, and uh, you know, ESPN has a presence in, in these different networks, and it, it, it creates some opportunities. So if I can stay involved, I'd love to stay involved. Great. And then, uh, could you see yourself replacing Joe Rogan as a color commentator? Oh, boy, I hope not, man. I would feel the blow as a fan if Joe ever left. I, I think he's fantastic. I think he's charismatic. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of travel with that, too. And uh, let's let Joe do that. All right. Yeah, he's, he's doing a good job. Yeah, he's great. And then your uh, submission underground. Yep. What is the future for that? Yeah, submission underground is coming up. There's, there's going to be a big announcement tomorrow. The fights are signed. Uh, they're going to blow your mind. This might be a good opportunity. Maybe I should tell you a little bit. Check back with me tomorrow. If, if it doesn't break, we're going to put something out in the morning. If it doesn't, you come to me. I'll give you the story. But we got oh, something big perfect. coming down. And then, um, big, that, big. Does it have to do with uh, combat jiu-jitsu? No. As a matter no. of fact, it does not. Did you see it going that route? I like So here's what we do. We do EBI rules. And EBI is now uh, adopting some combat. They're talking about that, doing that. So let's see where that, all, all that goes. We're not up to speed on that yet, but we will follow whatever EBI does. And to end off, uh, what would you say to everybody who's going through the daily grind and, you know, family, work, but also wanting to do something in combat sports and just... Now, what would you say to help them keep going through all that? I would just tell people, and combat aside, but what, if there's anything you want to do in life, the clock is ticking, start today. And uh, there's always enough time. Uh, I don't find time, I make time, and everybody else can do the same thing. And you might have to sleep a little bit less, but if you want to do it, then do it. It's as simple as that. All right, there you have it, Gumby. Chael Sonnen. Uh, it's going to be a sad day the day Joe Rogan leaves. Man, I could not agree with him more on that one. It, it's just... He's Joe Rogan's one of those guys who, when he's not there, it won't feel like the UFC anymore. So I'm glad Shale Sonnen feels the same way. I'm with you on that. I want to move now, Gumby, to uh, the second half of this crazy all-day doubleheader of UFC fights. This is on Fox Sports 1. It's Fight Night 100. It's coming to you from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and it's headlined by Ryan Bader versus Little Nog. Now, Bader, this is his last fight on his UFC contract. He'll go into free agency. Of course, he wants to go out on a win. He's coming off a win against Ilir Latifi. Uh, that was the big KO via his knee. Uh, it was a performance of the night back in September in Germany, but he lost to Anthony Rumble Johnson this past January, got brutally knocked out. Uh, Johnson sprawled, and then it was all over from there, night-night nurse. Um, and then you have Little Nog coming off a big win over Patrick Cummins back at UFC 198 in May. He lost to Mauricio Shogun Hua uh, last August 2015 at UFC 190. Uh, so he's 1-1 one one in his last two. Who you got? Uh, I see no reason why this fight doesn't go like the last one does, if not even worse for him. You know, Bader beat him all the way back at UFC 119. And to me, Bader has continued to get better and better and better and more dangerous and more dangerous and more dangerous. 
I don't feel that way about Little Nog. I, I don't feel like Little Nog is getting better and, and scarier at any point in time. So why would I think anything other than Bader dragging him to the ground and beating him up terribly with, with top ground and pound? And I think that's that's clearly got to be the way that this one goes. And I, I'm going to say Bader, and I bet you he finishes him, you know, especially with that contract issue going on like you mentioned. So he's going to be extra motivated. He is the minus 365 favorite in most sports books. He, you could get Little Nog as a plus 305 dog. I want to talk about the co-main event because uh, we have a very exciting prospect, Thomas Almeida at Bantamweight, uh, coming off the big loss to Cody Garbrandt. He's a minus 330 favorite against Albert Morales, a plus 270 dog. What are you thinking? So Albert Morales, uh, friend of the show, we, I, I should mention, uh, and you know, definitely a good fighter uh his first ufc fight though he wound up with a majority draw against alejandro perez who's not a bad fighter but he is not even close to being in the same league as thomas almeida you know thomas almeida is a guy who is probably one punch away from a title shot uh only a couple of months ago so for morales to be getting this kind of step up i think it's just over his head and it's hard to say that about somebody who was so cool with us on the show but Thomas Almeida is a top-level talent. Hey, never let your honest-to-goodness opinion get in the way or be conflicted by someone who is nice enough to come on the show. I'll be the homer. I'll champion the friends <laughs> of the shows. You stay the uh, you know the unbiased commentator. I, I like that. And, I, can, I can be that guy. An analyst. All right. Um, who else? We don't need to go through every fight on this card because there's about a million of them uh, combined on Saturday. Who else are you looking at as an exciting fighter to watch or an exciting fight to watch? I think one of the most exciting fights to watch is Barley Alves versus Kamaru Usman. Um, Usman uh, came off that Black Zillions versus ATT season of The Ultimate Fighter. Barley Alves was on a tear until he lost to Brian Barberena. That's a fun fight. Claudia Gadelia, by and far, the number two women's strawweight in the world. Um, just behind Joanna Janjacek gets a chance to redeem herself when she fights Courtney Casey. That's a fun fight. Um, I-, I never sleep on Jack Hermanson, who's a... a I believe he's Norwegian, or at least he trains out of Norway now. He might be Swedish training out of Norway. Uh, but he's a wicked good knockout artist in the middleweight division, and he fights Cesar uh, Ferreira. Uh, so that one's a fun one, too. There, there's a couple other good ones on the card. but Well, uh, well I, I'd hate to go here without getting your opinion on these. Claudia Gadelia, the minus 470 favorite. Yeah, she, she's, an, she's an obvious pick. She is definitely the number two best strawweight in the world. Okay, so don't take Courtney Casey as a plus 375, says Gumby. And then Worley Alves trying to come back off the loss to Sage, a plus 180 dog, actually, to Kamari Usman, the minus 220 favorite, which is a little surprising to me because Worley Alves is such a beast. Yeah, he's got a lot of value at 180. I understand what people think about Usman because he's got such good takedowns and he's got power in his hands, but Warley Alves is a guy who beat Colby Covington. Um, who, who is a very, very tough out. Uh, and not only did he do that, he submitted him in like a minute and a half. So uh, I would go with Alves on that one, especially knowing you can get almost two to one money. Uh, I know you're a big fan of Justin Scoggins. He's a minus 165 favorite taking on Pedro Munoz, a plus 145 dog. Yeah, that's a really interesting fight too because I think I almost might take Munoz on that one. Uh, if Scoggins can keep it on the feet, I think he wins. But Munoz's sub game is nasty. 
All right. Well, you heard it here first. That was Fight Night 100. Uh, we broke down Fight Night 99. We talked to Brian Barbarena. We got our live correspondent, Donnie Francis, to talk to Chael Sonnen. He gave us a few minutes, which was very nice of him. I would say it was a loaded episode, wouldn't you, Gumby? Yeah, another loaded episode two weeks in a row, and it's only getting better from here. All right. Well, I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a listen. Give us a download. iTunes, Stitcher, soundcloud you could catch us wherever a podcast is being streamed top turtle mma on twitter thanks so much and we'll check you next time